Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah ve salatu vesselam ala Resulillah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men ve We will resume our discussion bi'idhnillahi ta'ala of Book 8 of the Ihilum al-Din, the Kitab Tilawat al-Qur'an, Adab Tilawat al-Qur'an on the proprieties and etiquettes and manners associated with recitation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book and hoping therein to develop a strong relationship with Allah book. So we have discussed what Imam Ghazali mentioned from the ten outward etiquettes associated with recitation. And now we will move to a new chapter where we will treat what he calls the A'mal al-Baltan fitilawa, that is the inner acts, the inner etiquettes of Quranic recitation, and there are also ten. And so he first lists them. And so we will offer a translation of each, and then we will proceed to discuss each one in detail over the next uh, many days. So he mentions ten. The first is, and you could translate this as realizing the greatness of divine speech. This is what he means. It's not just understanding, it's realizing. The asl. But here, the greatness of divine speech. Two, ta'zim, exalting the one speaking. Ta'zim and mutakallam. Thumma hudur al-qalb, maintaining presence of heart. That's number three. Number four, at-tadabbur, contemplating Allah's book. Thumma at-tafahum. Then striving to understand the meanings one is reciting. ثُمَّ تَخَلِّ عَنْ مَوَانِئِ الْفَهْمِ Avoiding the preventatives of understanding. And that is number six. And then number seven, التخصيص, which you would translate as applying the Quranic address to oneself. Number eight, at being affected by the verses one recites. Thumma taraqi, ascending in degrees of recitation is number nine. And then number ten is attabari, disclaiming. Disclaiming any power, disclaiming that one is actually doing anything, solely relying upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those are the ten, and inshallah ta'ala, we will take the first one or two today, bi'idhni lahi ta'ala. So the first one is Fahmu Adamatil Kalam wa Uluwihi wa Fadilahi Subhanahu wa Lutfihi bi Khalkihi fi Nuzulhi and Arshil Jilalihi ila Darajati Efami Khalkihi. And so the first thing that Imam Ghazali wants us to do is to really understand the origin of the speech and then exalt the Quran and realize the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book. And so Imam Ghazali says, Falyan, so his, the title is in a little bit more detail than the first way he listed it above. And he says, so it's to realize the greatness of the divine speech and its loftiness. And to that realize the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his gentleness with his creation. And how he subhanahu wa ta'ala that descended from the throne of His Majesty in no anthropomorphic way 
to the degree of the understanding of his creation. So the very fact that Allah Ta'ala created us so that we can come to know him, even, even though we will never truly know him, only Allah knows Allah. But the very fact that he has enabled us to even have partial knowledge, even a little bit of knowledge, is an immense blessing from him. And the knowledge that we can have, even though it's not complete, even though it's not comprehensive, is the greatest knowledge that you and I can possibly attain. And in fact, all other knowledge in the world, including religious knowledge, is a means ultimately for knowledge that we want to receive from Allah. And we taught him knowledge from our presence. This is the knowledge that is sought for in and of itself. And even religious knowledge, knowledge of tafsir, knowledge of hadith, knowledge of aqidah, knowledge of fiqh, knowledge of all the different sciences of Islam, and all of the other instrumental sciences. The goal of all of those knowledges is so that you and I can be gifted knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so that you and I can draw near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if that's the case with religious knowledge, what then about other types of knowledge that exist in the world? Everything ultimately is a means. And this includes as well all acts of worship. This includes as well everything that pertains to our religious life, all of our interactions with other people. All of that ultimately is a means for us to be gifted knowledge of Allah and to come to know Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why it is one of the great problems that is widespread in the Muslim world is that we have taken oftentimes as individual members of the Prophet's Ummah means as an end. We've taken the means as an end. And the means have to remain means. Even what you could call worldly ends. Things like having good character, things like following the Sharia, things like establishing our servitude, things of this nature. They're still, even though they're worldly ends, i.e. you don't, in a utilitarian fashion, bypass them if you think it's going to be convenient for you or useful in some way. All of those worldly ends still are means. And that includes all religious knowledge as well, let alone other types of knowledge. If this is our perspective, you will see then the danger of the perspective of so many Muslims. And I'm speaking to the Muslim community now and the way that we view knowledge and how so many of us have fallen victim to what it is that they're told in school, what it is that they hear in the media, what it is that they read, that religious knowledge is inferior. And in fact, all of these incredible things that are happening in the world and all of the inventions and all of the technology that people have produced, this is the type of knowledge that we need to spend our time researching and studying. And I don't want to create a dichotomy. It doesn't mean that we can't take part in other types of knowledge in that university settings and things of this nature, you can. However, you and I as a believer have to be very clear that ultimately all knowledge is a means. And it's a serious problem if we think that knowledge is greater than revealed knowledge. Revealed knowledge is the greatest knowledge of all. And just as it's a serious problem, if you and I are taking any type of knowledge as an end other than the knowledge that whereby which we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he wants us to understand this. 
And he says, Look at how Allah Ta'ala has gently, subtly shown his benevolence to his creation. In conveying the meanings of his eternal speech. His eternal speech that is a an attribute that is qadima, that it is eternal and subsists in his essence, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the understandings of his creation. And how that he tajallat is the word here that is used manifested to them in with that attribute manifested that attribute in the form of huruf of letters and aswat sounds that are from the traits of creation and. He, of course, is opening up a discussion here, which he's very clear about as a top-notch theologian. When you and I read the pages of the Mus'haf, the letters on the page of that copy of the Qur'an, the binding and that the, our recitation of it, all of that, of course, is created. And we make the distinction between those letters themselves that are written on the pages and that we recite. And they're obviously created because they come in existence and they come out of existence. But those letters on the page and those letters that we recite, as our scholars have said, point to the eternal speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those, the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed his Qur'an in a way that you and I can even understand it as human beings, as a tajalli, he's manifested himself to us through his book subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that he, Tabarakwa Ta'ala, in a way that is a mystery and cannot fully be understood in the intellect, with the intellect, other than to say that that manifestation, i.e., those letters, those sounds, point to his eternal speech, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if someone is still thinking, how could that actually be? The entire creation is wondrous, everything in creation is a manifestation of one of the names and attributes of Allah. Everything in creation. It wouldn't exist were Allah Ta'ala not to have brought into existence everything in creation. And this is what ma'rifah is. Gnosis is. Knowledge of Allah truly is. This is what the knowers of Allah have the ability to do. They can understand the names and attributes that are manifesting before them. Indeed, the entire universe is meanings in the, in the form of images, the surah, in forms. Anyone who perceives this will be from the people of intellect and reflection. So he says, think about this and ponder this greatness. And he says, إِذْ يَعْجُزُ الْبَشَرُ and it will solely Allah Ta'ala. The humankind is unable to reach an understanding of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
ila fahmi sifati Allah ta'ala illa bi wasilati sifati nafsihi except through the traits of his own of the of their own selves in other words you and i cannot fully come to know the attributes of allah ta'ala we can know that he is all merciful he is ar-rahman we can know that he is al-qadir the all-powerful but can you and i really know the true nature of that attribute can we know the true nature of his being al-qadir no we know that he has that attribute but we don't know its essence or its true nature and if someone thinks that this is difficult to understand again we don't even fully understand matter the closest thing to us that we see when we just look around us we don't even understand matter completely and increasingly it's more and more of a mystery and is it a wave is it a particle what's really happening with matter it's wondrous matter and if that's the case then everything that's happening is an act of allah and then understanding how his acts relate to his attributes understanding how his attributes relates to his essence subhanallah we realize how little we really know and you've only been given a small bit of knowledge and so we know these attributes of allah by first knowing attributes that you and i actually have we know what power is because we've understood it in our own selves we know what will is because we've understood it in our own selves we understand what existence is we understand what seeing and hearing and speech is because we see that in human beings and then when we understand that oh i can see but i can see only a range of things i can understand the concept of being all seeing i can understand the concept of being all hearing i can understand the concept of eternal speech but i can't understand its reality so he's saying what a blessing that allah ta'ala has revealed his book i.e. the quran to the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam that you and i can read and that the fact that we can even read it and understand it and those letters that we recite and those words on that page point to his eternal speech what a blessing of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he says walaula istitar kunhi jalalati kalami bi kiswatil huruf were it not to be that the essence of the majesty of his eternal speech is veiled through the covering of those letters lama thabata li sama'il kalam arshun wa dhara even the throne or nothing on earth would have remained firm when it heard the eternal speech of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wala talasha it would have just gone into non-existence ma bainahuma everything that is between them in azmati sultani from the greatness of its authority of its sultan wa subuhati nurihi and the majesty of its light walaw la tathbitu allahi azza wa jalla musa alayhi salam lama ataqa sama'a kalamihi and were it not to be that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made musa firm even though in his book subhanahu wa ta'ala that he says that moses collapsed unconscious that he would have not even to remain alive lama ataqa sama'a kalamihi kama lam yutika al-jabal mabaliyata jallihi just as the mountain didn't begin didn't wasn't able to bear this that manifestation hatta sara dakkan until that it was level to dust and this is in reference to 
that uh, a verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When Moses came at the appointed time and his Lord spoke to him, He asked, My Lord, reveal yourself to me so I may see you. Allah answered, You cannot see me. But look at the mountain. If it remains firm in its place, only then will you see me. When his Lord, and it translates here, appeared to the mountain, manifested himself to the mountain, he leveled it to dust. And what was the result? And Moses collapsed unconscious. When he recovered, he cried, Subhanaka tubtu ilayk. Glory be to you, I turn to you in repentance. And I am the first of the believers. What a meaning there. And this is what Imam Ghazali is pointing to. And how he wants us to reflect upon this so that we can understand the greatness of the Quran and exalt the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that it opens up the doors for us to be able to benefit from it internally. And then after this, the second etiquette is al-ta'zim al-mutakallam. And this is to exalt, exalting the one speaking, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the one reciting the Qur'an should, when we approach Allah Ta'ala's book and we're about to start, we should bring these meanings to heart. We are reciting the book of Allah. We are reciting the eternal speech of Allah. And we should bring to heart that we are before Allah and that Allah Ta'ala sees us. And he says, we should bring to heart when we start reciting the greatness, the exaltedness of the one speaking. And we should know that what we are reciting is not from human speech. And that when we recite Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book, this is an extremely momentous moment that we spend. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا يمسه إلا المطهرون No one will touch it except the purified. And then he explains here, وَكَمَا أَنَّ الظَّاهِرَ جِدِ الْمُصْحَفْ وَوَرَكَتُ وَوَرَقَهُ مَحْرُوسْ أَنْ ظَاهِرِ and just as the outward cover of the copy of the Qur'an and its pages are protected, i.e. that it's unlawful for someone to touch them with your hand, except that if you're in a state of purification, impurity, the inward nature of its meaning by virtue of his majesty and might is veiled 
from the inner chamber of the heart, except that if the heart is pure from all filth. So just as outwardly that this meaning of this is, you can't touch the Qur'an without a state of wudu. This is to exalt the Qur'an. And we should always put the Qur'an in the highest place in our homes and respect the Qur'an and love the Qur'an. And we make sure that we're in a state of wudu when we handle the Qur'an. It's haram not to. And that meaning is there outwardly for divine wisdom, but then also inwardly we should know that we don't have access to the meanings of Allah's book without purity of heart. And how many people will come to the Qur'an with preconceived notions? They'll come to the heart with uh, that uh, diseases that are in their heart and it will, they'll be led further astray or they'll be let to go astray further. And all you have to do is just follow some of the chats that sometimes people put in some of these posts that people post and that see how people are just completely that led astray by virtue of what is actually only in their own heart. May Allah Ta'ala protect us and preserve us from that. And we should not think that this is new. We shouldn't let this affect us. This has been happening for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. And the same things that people said to prophets that came before us are the same things they're saying now in slightly different ways. The same archetypes. They keep repeating themselves throughout history. And Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us belief in His book despite living in the time which we live. Inshallah, we live upon that and we die upon that. ta'ala. And He says, The heart also has to be mustanir and be nurat ta'adim wa tawqir. It has to be filled with light, the light of exaltation and magnification and respect. Just as it's not possible or even appropriate for the hand of anyone to touch the cover of the Mus'haf. Not every tongue is truly able to recite his book. And what he means is the door is open to recite his book, but... We have to make sure that our heart is purified. Not every heart is ultimately going to attain in-depth understanding of his book. And because of this type of ta'zim, that Iqrib ibn Abi Jahl, the son of one of the worst enemies of our Prophet and look at the great state that Allah raised him, despite the state of his father. He raised him to this high rank. Ekrima was a companion of our Prophet ﷺ. When he would open up the Mus'haf before him, there's times when he would faint and become unconscious. He would say, Let's put this into practice. This is not meant to just read. When we open up a Mus'haf and we're getting ready to read, let's remind ourselves, هَذَا كَلَامْ رَبِّي هَذَا كَلَامْ رَبِّي Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing every single one of us. This is an invitation to His creation. That Allah ta'ala is that making Himself known to His creation. You want to learn about Allah? Read the Qur'an. You want to come to know Allah? Read the Qur'an. 
understand it, put it into practice, and your heart will blossom. What a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have this. So we exalt the book of Allah Ta'ala, His eternal speech, by exalting the one speaking. And that we won't ever truly have the appropriate degree of exaltation and realization of Allah's greatness if we don't reflect upon His attributes and His majesty and His acts. So, there's ways that we can reflect upon His Majesty by reflecting upon His creation. So, you think about the throne and the descriptions that you have of the throne, of the kursi, of the footstool, of the seven heavens, of everything that's on the earth and everything that is between them, jinn kind, human kind, animals, trees, Think about everything in creation. And think about now what we know science is telling us about the vastness of creation and these intergalactic distances and all these amazing things that people couldn't see before. That should increase us in closeness to our Lord. Increase us in, in, in awe of His creation. I mean, just we should be in utter awe of His creation. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so... We come to the conclusion, we realize then, the Creator who brought all of that into existence, who has power over all of that, and who sustains and provides for all of that, is one. And all people that are in the the that are that are under his control and under his power are between his bounty and his mercy. So if he that gives blessings, it's through his generosity and bounty. And if he punishes, it's through his justice. He is the one who says, That these are the people of paradise, and I don't hesitate to put them there. And these are the people of the fire, and I do not hesitate to put them there. This is the utmost degree of greatness and that loftiness. So if we reflect in this way, it will bring to heart ta'lim of the mutakallam, exalting the one speaking, our Lord Allah, and then ta'lim of the kalam, and exalting the divine speech, realizing the greatness of the divine speech. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us to put this into practice and to give us tawfiq to have a close connection to Allah's book and a strong relationship with it. May we approach it with the utmost adab, outwardly in a state of purity. And may Allah ta'ala continue to purify our heart and make it more and more pure every single day of our lives and that have further meanings of Allah, your, His book be unlocked to us. Ya Rabbil Alameen, day after day and year after year, bi khayru wa fa'afiyah. May we all be blessed with a kamal khusna khatim and a mot. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.